Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at Joe Gibbs Racing, where we are talking to one of the hottest drivers right now in the Cup Series, Daniel Suarez. Daniel, thanks for making time. Thank you, Nate. Uh, thank you for having me. I presumed coming here that you would be coming out of like a debrief, but I just learned that you were here yesterday <laughs> doing the debrief. So thanks for coming in on what I'm sure uh, is one of your rare times to have some a uh, little bit of off time from NASCAR. You were here yesterday, though, for that, and you're coming off two straight top fives. How's that feel to go into the debriefs when you're able to, like, give some, I would think, some good information and, and be a part of that discussion? It's definitely way more fun when you have a, a strong weekend and, and when you have a speed and you can you can actually bring some some information to the table. And, uh, and not, just, not just the debrief, but as well when making your notes and when watching the race again and, and, and you know, going through all that process. When you have a bad weekend, you don't want to even do it. <laughs> you don't <laughs> want to go back and watch the race and see how, how bad you were doing. But uh, when, you, when you have a strong weekend, it's always fun to, to see, uh, you know, how, how you did it and, and what can you do better next time and stuff like that. So uh, it's been good the last couple of weeks. Definitely much better than, uh, than two months ago and um, hopefully we can keep work. We can uh, keep working on this path and uh, keep moving forward. You were talking, Daniel, at Watkins Glen about how Kyle Busch has become a mentor for you, and there's been more of an exchange of information. But Kyle actually said as well you know, during his media availability that you ask all the right questions, but you also bring some good information. So you know, you mentioned last year. I'm sure it was difficult when you probably came in here on a Monday a lot of times and didn't feel as if you were contributing much. Yeah. Is, it, is it just a market change? And is it is it now that you're running better, are you able to approach Kyle and kind of like know exactly how to ask him what you're looking for? Because you kind of know what he's doing. You just need to know how to get to where you can do what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a process. And, you know, I remember being in the Kyle position back when I was racing in Mexico, uh, you know, several years ago. Uh, I was... I was the kid, but I was the, the, the fastest guy all the time. So everyone was coming to me to ask me questions. And, and every time that those guys, most of the time when those guys were, you know, giving uh, information and stuff, most most of the time was good information, but a lot of time was information that I wasn't even listening. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I understand Kyle's position because he obviously he's very fast. He has a lot of experience. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to let someone renew that is not having the results yet to bring all that information because you, you don't really know if it's a good or bad information. But uh, 
Well, I feel, I feel like uh, lately it's been it's been better. We've been uh, working actually closely with uh, with Kyle and with 18 guys, and uh, and that has been helping our program a lot. Um, a couple of months ago, we just didn't have a lot of speed, and we were struggling with consistency, and and seemed like right now we're we're rolling in the right path. Right, and Kyle is not the only person to mention this, Daniel. Uh, we we heard Matt Kenseth say this as well last year that you came to him for questions. Like you were, you were one of the only teammates really that he had who came so often and so frequently. Is it something that you learned when you were, you know, you talked about racing in Mexico and you were having other people ask you questions? Or are you just, are you an inquisitive person? Do you like asking questions? Do you like just sort of learning and gaining information? Or is it just something you knew you had to do? Well, I I have never been a, a shy person. And, uh, <laughs> and I I have always, I don't remember, I have a, actually a very good story on this because my very, very first race ever in go-karts, my mechanic was my father. And, you know, in go-karts you have, you have different sprockets pretty much the year of, of the of the car for, for every different racetrack. So we were coming into this racetrack and those sprockets, you have a number on it, right? So we didn't, my father and myself, we didn't know heading into one racetrack. So we bought a few, and but we didn't know which one to install. So he told me, we, we, we went to first practice and, you know, one team was very fast. And he told me, hey, then you go over there and check what number they have in the sprocket. So I went over there, I was just, 11 years old and uh, and they had the, the number they had a cover with a, a piece of tape i said man they, I, ca- I can see the number <laughs> so i just went to the guy and said hey uh you know what uh, i'm new here and i don't i don't have the number of the sport can you tell can you give it to me and actually the guy told it was very funny and that was the best team and the next day he the next weekend he went to my father and he said you know what your, your kid has a lot of talent i would like to to have your your kid in my team uh, and since that day, I guess I just ask questions, and I am very straightforward. And, uh, and you know, sometimes, sometimes you get the right information, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But uh, most of the times, you you do. So uh, I feel like you know it's been like that since I moved here to the United States, not just with the racing stuff, but as well with the language. So uh, I, I guess it's been something normal for me. So that sprocket you saw is a key to maybe running better, and ended up being a key to joining a new team and, and having a great opportunity. Actually, yeah, it, it was a chain <laughs> of thing. And uh, and that team, actually, the owner of that team, uh, you know, his name is uh, Guillermo. His uh, nephew ended up getting the race team a few years later. Uh, so I, I've been part of the same racing forever. And right now, still, every time I go to Mexico, his nephew, uh, that is the owner of the team now, He's the one that has my car. He's the one that takes care of my car and everything. And it's been 15 years since then. So uh, it's a lot of fun that uh, sometimes we, we talk about all these stories and and how, uh, how, how <laughs> this is how they say it. They say, man, you just went for it. I mean, you, we, we never had someone coming to ask for something <laughs> that is, 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 is supposed to be private, you know? I mean, it would seem so basic, but I guess in racing, everybody tries to keep their secrets closely held, so you probably don't know what you can really ask correct, about, correct. right? I yeah. mean, in NASCAR, it's like you go to to Henry Moore Sports, and then you ask them, hey, how much camber do you have, or how much, <laughs> what kind of air pressure do you have? You know, it's yeah. something like that. So, already they won't tell you, right. um, but uh, I guess in go-cars, they thought it was funny, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. Your dad was involved in that uh, story as well. You said inc- encourage you to ask that question. For those who maybe don't know who are listening to this podcast, he uh, worked on vintage cars, and th- that was his business uh, as you were growing up. And I want to get into that a little bit, but was he involved in racing at all or just through you? Is that he knew cars, but he just got involved in racing because of your passion for it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he still does uh, vintage cars, classic cars and stuff, uh, but no, nothing related with racing. He he always liked cars and, and, and that was just, you know, for fun. 
but uh, but nothing related with racing. Uh, I mean, at one point when he was uh, around early 20s, he had a street car and he was putting a different engine on it. And he was racing that thing a little bit in the in the dragway, but just for fun, you know, no, no, nothing professional at all. Actually, in Mexico, they have on Wednesdays they they open the dragway for for street cars. So he was going into those Wednesdays racing kind of thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't even, uh, you know, racing and schedule. It was kind of like open for everyone. Yeah. So he was into that a little bit. So he always liked cars and, and engines and, and, and a little bit of racing, but he didn't know anything about it. And, and obviously they didn't know anything either. And what was his reaction when you told him you wanted to start go racing go-karts? And what made you want to go? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a long story, but uh, one of his uh, customers, son, was into go-kart racing and uh, and at the time actually i think i think it was when i turned to t- turn 10 years old he bought me my father bought me a a go-kart but for the street you know one of those li- little like buggies kind of thing with mm-hmm. for the for the off-road and stuff so i got that thing and uh, i remember that thing had a a, a nine horsepower engine which is nothing <laughs> only about a tenth of what you have yeah now. yeah correct <laughs> and uh and and you know it was fun the first week but then after one week i said my father hey you know what this thing i think is losing power he said no man it's not losing power you're getting used to it he said no no no, man this thing has no power anymore it's not going anywhere so anyway um i started talking to some friends of his of my father that they they were mechanics and stuff so one of them found me a, a bigger engine like i think it was a 16 horsepower so i did a swap in my in my my mother's garage and we started working on it so i was always involved with all that kind of stuff and then when uh my f- my father's customer son was involved in racing he invited me one day to to go and practice with him uh, because he saw me in the shop just you know messing around so he invited me one saturday and uh, we went over there to test uh I, I went over there with his son and i wasn't supposed to drive i was just going to hang out and and eventually they told me, "Hey, grab the helmet. Let's let's uh, you go there and and and, get, and do some laps." And I remember that it was my uh, my friend and now, uh, obviously, uh, that he was racing professional, and it was his his younger brother too that he was racing. You know, not as professional, but he was racing. So my first time out, I was already better than than the other one, and I was close <laughs> to the to the guy that was professional. So. And they started explaining me how to do things, and actually I was getting better. His father uh, went to my father and he said, hey, you know what, your, your, your kid is good. And for, for some reason, he was good out of the box. <laughs> and uh, he's been racing before? And my father said, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of like put a little bit like issue to my father, and he, he he let me go again with them, and eventually I was, you know, as fast as his son, and, and I was just racing, I was just, you know, testing for a few weeks. And, uh, and eventually my father said, you know what, let's get into racing and let's let's sell your go-car and, 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 uh, and let's buy one of those things and, and see what happens. And and that's how everything started. And he eventually sold his vintage restoration car shop to support your career. Yeah, that was later. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was maybe actually not too long ago, maybe five, six years ago when I was ready to move up into the NASCAR stuff in Mexico. Maybe a little bit more than six, maybe seven years ago. You know, I was in a point in my career that I didn't know what was next, and uh, and the next step was to to race in, in in stock car racing and in Mexico because that was very strong, but we didn't have a sponsor, so he had to sell his shop and get that money with some other partners to to put that racing together and and get, let me go in. 
that made me good enough to race half of the season mm -hmm. uh, in Mexico. And and my dad would tell you his goal was for me to he 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 always told me this. He said, "I mean, I'm gonna put you out there, and you're gonna do your job. And if someone give you an opportunity, that's great. If someone doesn't, that's all we can do, man. Uh, we we don't have more. And uh, luckily, the biggest team in 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 Mexico is talking like you know Joey Racing or Henry Motorsports or you know one of the biggest teams. They they call me in, right in the middle of the season. Hey, we would like to." to have you in a race team, which it normally doesn't happen. Normally they, they call you in the, at the end of the season, you know, to start a new season. So they call me in the middle of the season because they knew, they knew I was tied with budget. So, so they, they step out one of, one of their, their full-time drivers and they put a, a rookie 18-year-old in there. And, and that actually was the, the biggest step of, of my career because in that point I said, okay, now I can start moving forward from here. And my dad, I finally, he... He started relaxing a little bit. At the same time, relaxing, but he no longer has his business. Like, what happens for him then? Did he just go into the, the workforce and work a well, job? Or? Well, at the time, like I said, he, he had already his money invested in the race team. So I left, and he had one more driver in there. Ah, okay. Uh, so they, they, there was a two-car team. One experienced driver, he was winning races before he was on that team, and, uh, and myself. So, so when I moved to this team, I for for a few races I was kind of like up and down, and and then and then I started doing better, and then winning races, and then the following year I was winning everything, winning uh, winning the most races, winning the most poles, and winning everything, and uh, and that happened early in my career. I was just 18 years old, and my father told me, hey, well, what is next? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he would start having conversations about you know what, what we're gonna do next. And at the time I wasn't thinking about the United States. I was just you know trying to make my career in Mexico. But since everything happened early, uh, we decided to move to the United States and and try to you know make a career here. And it was very tough for a few years. I didn't speak English and you know finding opportunities, finding sponsors. My dad actually he did relax for a year, but <laughs> he was back <laughs> at it again looking for sponsors. But now for the United States, but at least at the point I had my seat secure in Mexico because I was. I was doing very well, so I knew that that seat wasn't going anywhere. So we started working in, in things here in the United States uh, through different series, in the Canaan series. And then uh, later on, I had my first opportunity with Joggy Racing. And uh, finally, full-time in 2015 with Joggy Racing. And uh, and I think on 16, uh, yeah, on 15, we started talking about it. But on, on by then, on 15, early 16, we decided, my father and I, we decided to put the, the shop back together, the shop that he, he ended up sell, selling. So uh, now he has the shop back and the racing that he had, uh, he sold part of it and he just has some part, you know, part of that because he told me that since I left Mexico, he he thought the racing in Mexico was boring because he already <laughs> he liked it, you know, seeing myself there and he said, man, since you're not here, it just doesn't make sense for me to be at the racetrack anymore. Sure. So so he started, you know, losing some interest in that and and he sold part of his uh, race team, and he now he has some management in the series, some some different stuff. But I know that what he likes a lot is is the the restoration shop. Right, he's only in racing because of you. <laughs> You're like well, he's... it's been it's been like a combination. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been it's been we've been learning learning together, and and we've been moving forward together. For sure, I he didn't know anything about racing, and I didn't know anything either. So he told me many times. He said, "Man, I wish I wish I can know where to go or how to ask." you know, sponsors for money and stuff like that, but he had no idea. And my family doesn't come from 
from athletes either. Like I don't have any family members uh, that are doing anything in sports. So it was something 100% new for, for me and, and my entire family. What does your family mostly do? I mean, obviously your dad restored cars. Are they just regular people who just work in regular jobs in Mexico? <laughs> yeah, my grandfather used to be a photographer. My mom, she works uh, sometimes with uh, one of her sisters uh, in the real estate business. And, uh, you know, my uncles, they, they, one is in real estate, one is in uh, actually insurance. I mean, nothing related with racing, nothing. That's some, it's been something new. I, I didn't have growing up, I, my family, my family is, is, is you know, average money-wise and and I, I didn't know any of my friends that was involved in racing. As you know, in racing is it's a little it's a little expensive. Uh, so you need to have a lot of support to to make it work. So I didn't know anyone uh, involved with racing, but this guy that that he wasn't in my school or anything. He was just a customer of my father in the in the shop, uh, and his son was racing. And uh, it, it was it was kind of funny and lucky how everything happened because so many times in my career I have been in the situation where. Man, I think I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm pretty much done about racing because, you know, uh, uh, we don't have money or we don't have sponsors or, or we don't have uh, racing or we don't know what to do next. I mean, it's been like ups and ups and downs a lot of times. Probably a lot of times where you just thought, this is the end. I'm going back to Mexico and. Uh, yeah, it's work. I mean, like I say, when when the team when the big race team in Mexico got me, that was exactly in the middle of the season. That's that's something actually people don't know, but. After that race, I was gonna be done. Oh, really? And they called me on that race. It was kind of interesting. That was uh, the last, the, my last race, and I made a pole uh, with my t- with my father, but I wrecked in the race. So I got wrecked in the race. But the team, even with that, the team, the other team called me. So you know, it's just it's been uh, it's been it's been it's been tough. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't say it's been easy, but uh, <laughs> but I feel like uh, that has been uh, that has been helping me to. To the bell of the person that I that I am today. Yeah, it's funny how it works out like that, Daniel. Because I I don't know if you've heard the Denny Hamlin story, but very similar. Like he was at a late model race, he was racing for his family, and this was the last race they were ever going to do. And this guy named Jim Dean overheard him talking about it, at, like when they were in the the entry line or whatever. And the, he said, "You're not going to race anymore." And he said, "Let me come race for my team." And that was the break that got him here. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I guess some of it is happenstance, but some of it is. That team is taking a chance on you, just like that owner believed in Denny's talent. That team believed in your talent. So, yeah. I mean, you can look at it as, as good fortune, but it's also good fortune because you're good. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I guess it's a combination of things. But sometimes I think about myself, and I think about how many kids out there have a lot of talent, and and you know, sometimes it's wasted because they don't have the right support or they don't have the right mm-hmm. people on the side, and. You know, for whatever reason, most of the time, at least in Mexico, uh, I've been a lot of times in this situation. Uh, the kids that have the most talent, they don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how it works most of the time, because I guess because those kids, they just they just drive their heart off every time that they, they have the opportunity. And, uh, and I remember when I was racing go-karts uh, in, in the very beginning, I had one go-kart with the same motor with the same everything for years and and my competition they were having two go-karts during the year and several engines and stuff and and i remember when i was 13 years old i had to i was good i was good enough that other teammates in my team uh they were telling me hey then it helped me to 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 set up my car so i was setting up their cars on on thursday friday uh and and uh and and 
my car, my go kart wasn't running at all because I, I, I had to save my go kart, I had to save the motor, I had to save the tires. So my go kart was going out just on Saturdays for the race. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Practice, official practice, and race. That was it. I didn't use my go kart to test at all. I was testing with someone else tires, someone else engine, someone else chassis to you know take advantage that they wanted me to, to test their car to put their set, the, the right setup on it. But uh, well, as well, because my engine, I knew that it had to last right. as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I spent years with the same stuff. And, uh, so how do you get noticed when your equipment sort of limits you to some degree, right? Like there's only so much you can do on the track because you need that. Yeah, but last. so many times, I remember as well, one day we were racing in the rain. Uh, most of the big teams in Mexico, they had two gokers. One in the, it was raining, but it was kind of dry and it was mm-hmm. like that. Most, the big teams they had two gokers, one with dry and one with wet, because it's different <laughs> setup too. Yeah. So we didn't have that. We ha- we had just the the sway bars, the you know the sway bars ready, <laughs> the rain tires ready, and you know everything swapping very quick and and stuff like that. I mean it wasn't it wasn't easy in the in that point because we didn't have the money to do it right to yeah. do it in that level. But even with, with uh, what we had, for me it felt better that uh, that the kid that had less. He was kicking everyone's butt. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, as you mentioned, you also had the support of your father. Is his name Alejandro? Is yeah. That right? FS1 did this nice piece for Father's Day where he came and visited you, and you talked about the fact that you had helped him reopen that restoration shop in Mexico and also talked about that you helped buy back this bus that he drove with your mother when she was pregnant with you from Texas back to Mexico. The same guy who bought it from your father just happened to still own it. You bought it for him. Why was that important to do, to get that for him? Well, first of all, as, as you can you can know by now, uh, I love cars uh, yeah. as, as much <laughs> as he does. And classic cars, for me, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's kind of like my, my lifestyle, uh, you know, and I just, I just feel like that's my, that's, that's who I am, you know. I, I I like people looking at me in the street uh, because of my car, uh, and 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 I feel like that's <laughs> that's something very cool. So, uh, and especially when they when when those cars are old and classic. So, you know, he had uh, my mom pregnant with myself uh, in a trip to Texas. Uh, my father used to go to Texas to to buy parts or, or or to you know to find cars, and my mom, one of my mom's sisters, lives in Texas. So. So they were going, you know, quite a bit, and, and one day my dad found this bus in a in a little farm there, and uh, he wanted to buy it. So so he ended up buying it. Uh, uh, so the next week, my mom and my father they went. I think I think they were in a bus or something like in in, a, in like in a taxi cab kind of thing, from Mexico to to Laredo, Texas, just to pick up that bus so they can drive it back. Anyway, they they ended up going there, and then they drove the bus back all the way to Mexico, and uh, my mom was there obviously, and, and my mom was planning on myself, and then my dad, he at that point he was starting in the, the restoration business, and uh, and he he ended up fixing that bus, uh, you know, a hundred percent, and and, uh, and, I, and one year after I was already born, I was a baby, and uh, that bus became the best bus in Mexico. I mean, it was famous. It was in newspapers, and, and my dad's name actually started to to go up because that boss. So it was it was very special. Uh, I ha- I have pictures of myself as a baby, as a baby, like one year old, and as well two two and a half maybe on that bus, just uh, just watching the bus with my father and, and 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 you know standing in the back seat of the bus and stuff like that. And you know, eventually he he ended up selling the bus, but later on, uh, maybe. 
it's been a while, but maybe like eight years ago, I told him, hey, what, what is that boss? And he said, well, actually, the same guy I sold it to, he still has it. And the guy lives in, in my hometown. And one day, long time ago, we went to see it. And, and we were able to see the boss, like, in you know, on the other side of the fence. I said to myself, one day I'm going to get that boss back. <laughs> uh, and I said that to my father, and he just laughed because I was uh, I was little. And uh, and eventually, when things started to go well, uh, maybe three years ago, I, I started looking for that guy. And uh, my dad and I, we went to that guy and said, hey, how are you doing? Obviously, the guy knows my father. My dad, he knows that my father uh, built that boss and, and 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 everything. And and uh, every person that knows about car, all cars, when they see that boss, they say, "Oh, yeah, this is Alejandro's boss." Doesn't matter who owns it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is Alejandro's boss because he built it. Yeah. And he made that thing famous. So so eventually, I went to the guy and say, "Hey, you know, this is special for me and for my father, and my family. I would like to buy it." He said, "No, no, no, I don't want to buy it. I have had this thing for." 20 plus years and it's special for me too. I said, man, it's going to be tough. So I, I keep trying, I keep trying. And uh, and eventually, like a year ago, he told me, you know what? He has a son, like his son is my age. And uh, he said, you know what? I, my son is the one that has it now. And and uh, he, he really wanted a lot. So, so I said, you know what? Well, or either I'm going to buy it from you or I'm going to buy it from your son. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be up to you one day. So, so we keep trying a little bit and... Uh, and then after six months, I, I didn't try anymore. I knew that one day he was eventually give up. But after six months, he called my father. He said, hey, you know what? We have uh, some uh, some family personal plans here, family plans of moving out and stuff in different houses or something like that. So I think we are thinking about selling the bus. So my father called me. That day I called the guy. And the next day uh, yeah. we are making a deal on the bus <laughs> and, and we were bringing the bus back home. And, and you know, it's very cool for me because... Uh, my father, he told me that he was, he never thought that he was going to get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I thought it was very cool. Actually, when I be- I went to Mexico the last time to see the boss in person, like to drive it and with my father and and my, and my father, he was already very excited. Do you know the story of your teammate, Eric Jones, bought his father's, yeah. uh, I think it was a Camaro? Oh, it's a, it's a Corvette. I Corvette, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, like, very similar. Like, yeah. he had to go to the guy who owned it then and had to, and was the same guy who bought it from his dad and had to had to plead with him. And Yeah, the same thing, man. As, uh, you know, I think Kyle Larson, he has a similar as well with uh, with his grandfather. Right. He told me about it. And uh, it's very cool. For me, cars are, are special, uh, are important for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to get rid of the cars. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> I just like them a lot. I take care of them a lot, and uh, I don't know. I, for me, it was it was very cool to to finally get uh, this boss back and and to see that big 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 smile on my face. And I brought the the boss. Actually, the boss right now is in my mom's house. And uh, and my mom, when she, when she jumped in the boss, she said, "Hey, Daniel, this thing still smells the same than 25 years ago." <laughs> and uh, and and the guy actually, my father say, "You know what? The guy did a good job." you know, to do not do anything to the boss. I mean, the guy, he was a guy that he liked the boss, but he didn't use it. I mean, my dad told me, hey, if the guy put 3,000 miles to the boss in 25 years, I think it's a lot. I mean, the guy didn't do anything, nothing. The same tires that my dad sold it to. That's crazy. So my dad said, that's a, that's a bad thing, yeah. but I feel that for <laughs> us it's a good thing because he didn't touch it. He, yeah. did, he didn't do anything to that thing. You know, a couple of things, scratches and stuff like that, but... Uh, but now that we got it, and now that we have our shop, we're gonna make sure that that boss 
you know, becomes a game because we're going to restore the whole thing. Yeah. We're going to make, make that thing, again, the best boss of Mexico. Now, you mentioned that you don't obviously get to Mexico that often to see it. Your dad made this special trip up for the Father's Day piece I was talking about. How often do you see the family or get to go back these days? Not very often. Uh, every time that I can, I try to go there or, or they come. My mom was just here maybe a month ago. Uh, she spent a few weeks here. My sisters came as well for one week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit tough, but uh, but that's part of my life. You know, it's part of racing. It's part of, you know, being a, a Mexican driver in a different country. Uh, it's, it's much better right now than five years ago five years ago i didn't have the money to go and travel over there and uh, at least right now i'm busy <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's yeah. not because i can't afford it so you know it's been it's been much better you know every time that i have the opportunity i try to go to see my family my friends and to have a good time but uh yeah it's been it's been something that you know i wish they were here but you know they have all of them they have already already their lives made over there and it's very hard to make a transition i i, I did it because you know i love racing but uh but it's not easy to to start again it's partially because you're busy you're racing you know 36 weeks a year here in cup but you also talked recently about getting your uh, residency status in america and are there stipulations that you have to stay in america i think for a certain continuous period like six months in a row or something like that yeah it's exactly actually six months okay. and, uh, and actually yesterday it's funny that you mentioned that because yesterday my attorney called me and uh, you know it's, it's a long process. Yeah, I remember you have you to were go about through, this, yeah. through a lot of process. And and actually, I'm pretty much approved because they gave me already the pending cre- uh, green card because I can travel with that. So I, I I'm I already passed the six months period that I couldn't travel. But yesterday, my attorney called me and he, and, uh, and she said that uh, that I'm having the interview uh, to get the green card, which we are pretty much in the last in the last steps of you know getting that thing. So, yeah, it's, it's been a long process. It's <laughs> way longer than what I thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, good thing I'm not in a rush, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been good, and, and hopefully we can get that thing done and just forget yeah. about it a little bit. When you talked about Chicagoland, uh, I wrote about it then and did a little bit of research. I mean, I had no idea that, and when I posted a link to the story, I got a lot of feedback on social media from other people saying, you know, this is a very difficult and costly process. It's not something that many people trying to become permanent resident status can afford, both in time and money. It's more than $10,000 in attorney's fees. Why is it worth it for you? Is it just that the hassle of just being on a visa is, it's just easier just to be a permanent resident? It's, it's, there is different reasons. I have a very, very special visa uh, that actually not a lot of people has. It's, 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 it's a visa that they call it a special talent visa. Every time I, I go crossing the border with my visa, they say, man, or either I never seen one of these, or I haven't seen one of these in a long time, all the time. So it's very, it's very unique. It's generally only open to like athletes or Correct. people. Yeah, who do some uh, the only people things. I know yeah. that has that visa is either athletes, professional athletes, or big TV people. I have a friend of mine that he works in uh, in uh, Miami in one of the Hispanics, uh, big uh, you know Univision. He works over there, and uh, he he's from Mexico, so they. Univision brought him here and he got that visa. He's the only person I know that has that visa. So it's a special visa. But even with that, the visa is good for three years. But every year you have to do like a like a little renew, like like call like telling them, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you know staying in the U.S. Like every year, just like a check-in. And after those three years, you have to go through all the process again. And I did already that uh, twice. So and it's expensive, and you have to go to interviews again and. 
You never know. I mean, if, if you get a guy that you don't like, that the guy doesn't like you a lot or, or for the guy who's you interviewing want, you or asking yeah, the questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can say, hey, no, you, you're not getting the visa this right. time. Or or who can say, you know what? Uh, I'm not feeling good about this. Um, you're going to get an, another interview. Yeah. And uh, normally those interviews, I was having those interviews when I was renewing that thing every three years. I was having those interviews either in December or January. So uh, my manager one day told me, hey, then one day you get an issue on that. I mean, you are racing in February. I mean, you're going to be in trouble and you right. have a contract to race. Right. So you better you better make sure that that is out of the question, you know. So the only the only way to do that was either it, it was to make the next step into the into the green card, into the the, re, the to being a resident. And uh, with the visa I have, most of the visas you have to wait like five years to to apply for a resident. And uh, with the visa I have, because it was a special visa, I had to wait only three years. So one 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 process of my visa, but. Honestly, at the time, I didn't care. It was way more expensive to get a green car, and, and it was more long and all that kind of stuff. So I said, nah, I'm going to stay with the visa. I don't care. So I, I got the visa twice, uh, not three times, three times. And uh, and finally, my attorney and my uh, you know manager told me, you know what, we have to do this because it's going to be better for you. And uh, you won't have to renew this thing almost ever again. I think, I think it lasts like 10, ten years? years or I think something. 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to be out of trouble and you, you can come in and out whenever you want and, and, and nobody will say anything that may keep you in one side or the other. Yeah. So, okay, let's do it. So we started this process over a year ago and finally right now we are, I feel like, in the last stage of it. About to get the final approval. So do you feel more a part of a country when you achieve that kind of status and you don't have to worry about constantly like reapplying for visas? Is it Does it change your perception at all? Or? Well... I don't really think about it, but, uh, you know, every time I, I can have, if I want to, I can have dual res, uh, dual citizenship. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, but. It, I mean, after five years of having a green card, you could you could apply for citizenship. Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of friends. Actually, my grandmother, she's like that because her father was born in the United States. So she had, she has dual citizenship. But, you know, for me, it's something that is not my priority, uh, but, uh, but if, if one day I see something beneficial from it, I will do it. Um, but for now, like I said, it, it took me too longer than what, what it should to get my green card or, or my my residentship. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We we see. I, I guess I will find out as I go. But uh, I guess it's going to be way easier just to don't worry about a visa uh, every three years or, or do the check-in every year. You know, it's, it's just different. Actually, the visa I had, it was so special that the check-in every every year, I didn't have to do it. If if I wasn't living the 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 United States for more than four weeks, I I could stay with a with a little sticker expire, but with a visa issued kind of thing, good for for the three years. So actually, I, I never did the check-in either because I wasn't I wasn't out of the country for more than four weeks. Uh, so it, it was it was kind of like a funny process, but some people in the border in the border there is a lot of people that know all those details, and some people don't. So uh, a couple times I had issues because my paper was expired, but the actual visa it wasn't. So a lot of people say, hey, "No, this thing is expired. You can you can come through." Wow. Say, so, well, the visa is not. No, you can come through. I say, well, check with your supervisor because actually I know I can. I, 
I, I check specific this this detail. Somebody else came and said, no, 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 he's right because of this this special visa. Say, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. I said, well, that's fine. But a lot of people don't know that. And if one day one guy, he doesn't want to call the supervisor or whatever, yeah. I can be out. <laughs> so we want to avoid that. Yeah, obviously a, the green card would certainly help you do that, as would citizenship. And, I mean, presumably you will still be here in five years yeah. <laughs> and racing full-time, I would think, if things go according to plan. So you mentioned the dual citizenship thing. Is it important to maintain your identity as, as a Mexican national if you were to become an American citizen as well? Or is I think, actually, I don't really know how it works, yeah. uh, but I think... When you do your dual citizenship, uh, you are not giving up the one that you have. But, uh, you know, for me, I have been always very proud to tell people where I came from and, and, and how I, I got here and everything. And uh, I will never be, you know, open to say, hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not Mexican anymore or anything like that. No, I'm, I'm very proud for wh where I came from, from my background and everything. And. And uh, that's who I am. Immigration, obviously, has been a hot topic in this country and in the news for the last year, Daniel. Do your experiences with it, having to go through the border process and, like you said, having sometimes issues with making sure you get through on the visa that if you're showing them the paperwork's correct, does it inform your thoughts about the issue and about what people go through? You know, the United States is a great country, and I feel like it's uh, something I really like about this country that uh, is, is very, very diverse you know uh, everywhere you go you see people from everywhere uh, either from Mexico from Cuba from Puerto Rico from Colombia from everywhere and uh, and that's something actually I really like obviously from the United States as uh, everyone uh, but it's something I really like a lot and and you know it's, it's a country that you get a lot of opportunities and a lot of people like it that's why a lot of people try to come here uh, that's that's the truth and uh, and uh, you know sometimes it's hard to to do it uh, some ways and and you know I guess I, I don't really know I mean it's, it's 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 difficult to be sometimes in in my position because I know I'm doing it in the right way uh, but uh, but at the same time uh, you know just it's just it's just it's just a hard topic because it doesn't matter what you say you 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 can make you can make some people. Right. happy and you can make some people mad so I just prefer to stay away from it and I don't really I don't really like to yeah, all that kind of stuff I mean everybody's situation is different Correct. as well so like what you're dealing with and facing with is going to be completely different from millions literally millions of other people correct, correct. And, and you know uh, when I see because I'm, I'm living this when I see all the amount of money that I'm spending to do things the right way not, not getting my visa the next process getting my green card to do things the right way, the amount of money I'm spending, I say this in an interview. I'm not surprised people is trying to avoid that because it's a lot of money. I sure. mean, if I didn't have the money, I wouldn't do it. I prefer to spend that money on my, you know, if I have a family, on my family or children or whatever. But it's a lot of money. I wish that process was easier and, and cheaper because uh, not, not a lot of people can afford that. One more question about coming to this country. I know that you barely knew any English when you arrived. You learned through subtitles on cartoons. Well, cartoons was very important, and uh, watching movies with subtitles in English was very important as well. I used to, not anymore, but I used to read quite a bit <laughs> in English just to try to get some words. Because at one point, when I was, you know, getting some of my English, I was getting decent talking and listening. 
but I wasn't able to, to write at all. I wasn't able to text someone. <laughs> when every time I was writing an email, I didn't know how. Yeah. So conversational anguish is the same. Correct. You can speak it, but you can't. I feel like the first the first number one is understanding. Number two is talking. Number three is writing. Mm-hmm. So the number three, by the time that the number one and two were moving forward, the number three wasn't zero still. <laughs> so I thought, man, I'm in trouble here. So I started reading because to try to fix that and actually start helping me some. And, uh, and, and be, for that reason as well, I started to put subtitles on my movies on English to, to, to read that, to listen and to read. So that helped me a lot. But yeah, it's been, that was tough. Uh, that was one of the times that I say, man, I don't think I'm going to make it because I, I needed to learn it quick and I didn't have the time and I didn't have the money to get special classes or anything like that. So it was it was a little difficult, but it worked out. What were some books or movies that stayed with you or cartoons? Anything in particular that you know, I used you to watch so much and so many. That was my I had like a homework per day. I remember that I used to watch at least two movies per day. You know, at the time I, I didn't have. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities, so I didn't have a, a lot to do during the day, just to go to a shop maybe and, and then come back and work out and that was it. So I used to watch two movies per day and read a little bit at night. I remember I used to I used to buy a magazine, race, a NASCAR magazine, just to read. The first magazine I bought was the one that uh, Tony Stewart uh, won the championship. What year was that? That would have been 2011. Okay, that was the first magazine I bought to read. I remember that because he was on the, on the how do you say that? On the, kind of like on the, on the top of the magazine. On the, so that was the first magazine I bought to, to okay. read. And he was on it. So he on won the cover. Okay. Yeah, on the That's cover, good. correct. You mentioned the people that have helped you in doing this. And your PR representative, Tyler, was telling me about a guy who kind of serves as your manager named Gustavo. Gustavo, I, yeah. Gustavo. Okay, and that he helped you uh, when you were in the, the racing program in Mexico and, and now has continued to provide guidance here in America, and he's so close to you that you actually call him uh, grandfather. Yeah, grandfather. And how important has he been in your development? You know, there is an, another funny story about about him because he's a person that came from the big company business. He used to be the vice president of uh, two big companies uh, for a long time, and uh, he's a very successful person. And it happens that he likes racing. When I moved the, the, to the United States the very first time. I went to a very, very small race team. And he was little part owner of that race team. I don't know, maybe 20, 30% owner of that race team. I raced with that race team for three or four races. That was it. But we become friends. He was Colombian. I was Mexican. So we used to speak Spanish. And, <laughs> and that was, you know, for whatever reason, every time that you find someone that you can speak uh, your uh, first language, you, you just, you know, you just connect quicker. And uh, we were speaking Spanish and we become friends. And then, you know, I had to leave him and his team and I move on and I start looking my own opportunities. And uh, we kind of like, you know, we were friends, but we disconnect for, for, for a year, year and a half. And then later on when I was racing, we, we, we got in contact again and, uh, and you know, he started helping me with, with some sponsors and with some direction, with some people. And he was helping me just just because he liked me, you know, no, no, for anything less. And, uh, and then, you know, things started to go better and he was helping me more and more and more. And, and, um, you know, one day we, we decided to, to start working together, you know, professional work together, not just as a friend. And, and right now he, he's my manager and he, he's someone that, uh, he's been helping me a lot in the, in the, you know, outside of the racetrack. 
uh, and in the racetrack as well. Um, but uh, just to make the right decisions, it's very important to have the right people on your side on on on, on racing. And uh, and he doesn't know a lot about racing, but he does know a lot uh, about uh, sponsors and uh, business and and uh, and in the corporate uh, corporate. Uh, world so mm -hmm. see is where he came from and and I feel like it's very valuable uh, to have someone like him on, on my side I'm so. sure he played a big role last year when suddenly hey by the way we're going to thrust you <laughs> into the cup series oh, when correct. you learn that a few weeks out from the season yeah correct I mean he he's been playing a huge role and uh, he has a great relationship with coach and uh, and something extremely important is that Telmex Telcel in Mexico that they've been on my side as well since since my first year in NASCAR in Mexico it happened that Gustavo has a connection with him because long time ago when uh, when the the director of Telmex was racing, which is obviously as well kind of like my manager, but in the racing side, when he was racing, Gustavo was in the corporate world and Gustavo used to sponsor him with Telmex. So Gustavo used to sponsor these guys. So that's why they connect as well. So, so it was very funny because I connect with Gustavo here and then Gustavo had a connection over there. So it was kind of like a very good connection overall. So he has a very good connection with everyone in Mexico because they he used to sponsor them right. many years ago. Right, right. Uh, they know him very well. Yeah. They have a lot of respect for him and they know that, you know, we work together and and he's a he's a very, very good person. Obviously, now he has a great relationship with uh, with coach and uh, and with a lot of people in the in the in the industry. And obviously, your your support in Mexico helps a lot in terms of you with that sponsorship, get, getting to the Cup Series. When you went back to Mexico, Daniel, right after you won the Xfinity Championship in 2016, I remember you went to a race down there as a as a spectator, oh, yeah. and it seemed like you were treated like a like a god, <laughs> like you had like <laughs> well, uh, we can <laughs> <laughs> like ten or twenty thousand people just like rising and just cheering wildly yeah. for you. Yeah, it was very special, uh, and that happened actually. You are right; that happened just a couple of weeks after winning the championship. Right. So, so the 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 topic was very hot still. You know, I went to Mexico, and that, that was the last race of the season for the NASCAR Mexico Series. So, so I went down there, a lot of people there, and it was in the new Hermano Rodriguez Speedway. So it was it was it was a big deal. So we went over there, and you know, a lot of people in Mexico they know me already uh, because I was racing there. So a lot of people actually follow my path from Mexico to the United States and, and follow all that. So so they knew I was going to be there. So a lot of people went over there to the racetrack and, and we, we, we got the opportunity to take some pictures and to hang out a little bit. And, and I really was, it was a very, very, very cool feeling. Uh, something that uh, I have felt just a few times in life. So it was good to, to, to get that and, and hopefully, hopefully we can do it again. In Mexico, is it Soccer, motor racing, like in Brazil, I know it's that way. It's soccer and then motor. Is it Correct. same in Mexico? Yeah, yeah. 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 Soccer is huge yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, every kid out there that that has ten bucks, they can afford a a, 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 <laughs> right. know, a ball, a soccer ball. So, right. so it's, it's very popular. I, I play soccer for a long time too, and uh, and I love it. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, but racing is, is my passion. I just feel like it's extremely difficult and it's a lot of pressure on the driver. So I feel like that was for me. Uh, but uh, but yeah, soccer in Mexico is huge. But racing is racing like open wheel racing is is it's been very big in Mexico for a long time. But uh, within the last ten years, I will I will tell you that NASCAR 
NASCAR is, uh, is, is getting up there too, uh, and I'm happy to, to be a small part of it. Well, obviously, a, a Cup Series victory would certainly uh, draw that same response, and you're heading to Michigan. Coming off two straight top fives, I can't help but notice that Michigan is where you got your first win in the Xfinity <laughs> Series. You feel a little more confident going uh, back to that track this weekend? You know, when you have uh, when you have momentum, uh, doesn't matter where you go, you feel confident. And the team right now has momentum. I feel that I do have momentum. Uh, we have to keep it up, uh, take advantage of it. Uh, mm-hmm. We have we have to make the next four weeks the best four weeks of of our year, and uh, try to make it happen because definitely we didn't have first few months of racing uh, that we were expecting at all. But now things are going in the right direction, so we have to take advantage of it. And uh, I'm confident that uh, things are going to work out in our way. Is it pretty much win and you're in at this point? I mean, the playoffs aren't really points. It's going to have No, I, I, I don't even look to the points anymore. I'm yeah. thinking about winning. Uh, yeah. that's, that's all I care about. Good luck to you with that goal. Thanks for uh, being on here. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Nate. I appreciate it. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, if you have any feedback, you can leave it for me on Twitter at Nate Ryan. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.